welcome to the Stalk My podcast for solo parents and those considering solo parenthood by donor conception. I'm your host, Mel Johnson, the solo parenthood coach and solo mum to my four-year-old daughter. Series five of the podcast is dedicated to donor conception. I speak to a range of donor-conceived people as well as experts on donor conception to cover a range of topics on this subject. Today's guest is 24-year-old Nikita. Nikita was donor-conceived through sperm donation and raised by a solar mum in Birmingham. Nikita, thank you so much for coming onto the Stalk and I podcast. That's okay. This series of the podcast is about giving a voice to donor-conceived people who have grown up um, in a solo parent household. I really want to make sure that as a solo parent myself and the community of people that listen to me, that we're learning as much as we can and understanding. And I think the best way to do that is to hear from people who have grown up donor conceived from a solo parent. So before we get chatting, do you want to give yourself a little bit of an introduction? Yeah, so my name's Nikita. I'm 24, I'm originally from Birmingham, um, but I'm now living in London. And I was raised by a single mum who used an anonymous sperm donor. Um, And I've always known from quite a young age. um, So it's always something that I've grown up with. And do you know why your mum used an anonymous donor? Is that the only option she had at that time? Yeah, so back when I was conceived in 1996, it was the only option in the UK then that was available to her. So that's why she went down the anonymous route. Um, I think I've spoken to her about this recently. And if she had the option of a known donor now, she said she would go for a known donor because she kind of knows how I um, feel about things now that I've got older. But I'm completely fine that she obviously used an anonymous donor. don't feel any hate or anything towards my mum. I know that was the only option available to her. And what is your relationship with your mum? Yeah, it's really good. Um, She's been very supportive in me, like looking for my donor um, that I'll talk a bit about um, shortly. She's always quite open with it, even from a young age. So if I had any questions about um, being donor conceived, um, she's always been quite open and Thing to answer any questions you might have. And do you remember sort of the early days of how she taught you about it? And you know, when you were almost like your first memories of it, did you sort of understand it? How did she chat to you about it? Yeah, so I think initially when I started wondering about things, I probably would have been about three or four years old. And she always told me that I was a special baby conceived in London and that's kind of how it was told to me but I was well aware that I didn't have a dad and that I only had a mum and it's not something I really thought much of when I was young I just kind of accepted that and was happy with that it it kind of um felt a bit more like a different scenario when I was at school so primary school I would have been about five or six years old and at that age especially when children start asking questions so my mum would be the only person that came and collected me from school. And obviously other children have like their mums or dads or both um, collecting them. And they would ask me, you know, where's your dad or why doesn't your dad collect you from school? Um, and I would respond with that I didn't have a dad. And I think at that age, they don't really understand. And I didn't really understand fully. So that was quite hard being 
a young child and not really knowing what to say to them. So I'd say that I didn't have a dad and they would say, you know, how's that possible? You must have a dad. And it's quite hard when you get asked those questions, you don't really know how to respond to them. Yeah, I mean, it's hard as an adult to try to explain it. So as a child, it's, um, I can imagine it's really hard. Funnily enough, I went to pick my daughter up from nursery yesterday and she was coming out at the same time with her friend. And she said, mummy, my friend said that I had a daddy, but I haven't got a daddy, have I? And I was like, no, you've not got a daddy, Daisy. You've just got a mummy. And it, it wasn't in a, in a negative way, but I can imagine as kids become more inquisitive about stuff. At the moment, they seem to accept at face value what you tell them. But as you get older, I guess, you, you want to try to understand more. So I can imagine. So what would you say then? Is it about trying to help you articulate the story at every age you're at? Is that, is that what we could do to, to help? Yeah, I think even, even parents that obviously aren't using a donor and um, they could be more honest with their children and say that, you know, there are different families out there. So even if they're born with a, a mom and a dad, they're aware that other children have, you know, just a mum or two mums or two dads. So that when you start having those conversations at school, kind of everybody is aware in the class that there are different kind of families. That's true. So that's a really good point. So with my friends that who where my daughter has friendships helping them talk to their children so their children understand more and at nursery and school talking to the teachers so that they talk about it so I'm really passionate about that I've got a really good book called diverse families which just says you've got different family um like forms with different parents you've got some people have pets you live in different houses you know it almost talks about it really holistically that everything's different including the makeup of, of your family so I think that's a really useful point us trying to help educate our friends children's parents almost isn't it to, to, to help yeah. with the diversity story okay great and can you remember how your mum told you you know what words did she use how did she explain the story to you yeah so she would tell me obviously that I was a special baby um, and she used to travel to London which is where I conceived um, with my gran so her mum and they would go together to this clinic and she would describe it to me so she said it was quite a small building and they had like baby photos on the walls and she would kind of go through this paperwork and these donor profiles and say kind of what she wanted in a donor so what kind of features she would prefer and things like that so she was very open about the process that she went through um, and that's just kind of the basic understanding I had when I was younger that I was made a little differently than other people and this is the route she went down to have me. And how did you feel about being different because I think sometimes at some ages as a child it's hard to be different but alternatively I've spoken to some people who think it's it's actually really good because they've got like a, a different story do you how did you feel do you remember yeah I think at that age when I was young it I didn't really see it as being different until mm. like, my friends made me feel like that and I think when you're young you just accept it like you said it face value don't really think any deeper into it but it's when I got older I kind of realized it is kind of a little bit different but it's something that I 
love like I wouldn't change the way that I was conceived and I see it as a positive thing so you know I've got like this big story to tell people that they actually find quite fascinating um, and so I definitely see it as a more positive thing now not something that's different and I think now I guess it's a lot more common when you were young I think it was your mum was probably leading the way a little bit in terms of it was a, a much less common thing to do did you know anybody else who was in the same situation no so I mean there was there was somebody in my class that had two moms but they weren't donor conceived so it's nice to see somebody that had like a different family but there was nobody that I knew of that was donor conceived and it wasn't really something that was spoken much of mm. uh, or even kind of IVF I didn't know any other children that were IVF babies or anything like that it wasn't really spoken of much I think it's a lot more discussed now um rather than it was back then yeah because there might have even been some other IVF babies but they perhaps didn't even dis they perhaps didn't even know themselves or discuss it because it wasn't as open no that's so true I'm hoping that because I've got quite a lot of friends who have also got donor conceived children that my daughter will have some people who are in a very similar situation to her so I'm hoping that that helps her feel like it's not a really unusual situation because she knows quite a few other people in the same situation would you have liked to know other people in that same situation yeah I think that's definitely something that parents can do now like you say and kind of do that research when their children are quite young or when they're going through the process of um, choosing a donor so that when the child obviously gets older and they've got these questions then the kind of the research and the understanding is already there for them because I mean now there's quite a few Facebook groups for parents to join and donor conceived people to join that's quite a nice supportive network that wasn't really there when my mom was going through it there was you know yeah. I don't even think Facebook was around then so there's a lot more now um, to support parents and donor conceived people. Yeah brilliant and so there's two different topics I would say because there's donor conception in general being conceived using a donor and there is solo parenting how did you feel about not having a father in your life was that ever an issue for you um no so i i was quite happy being raised in a solo family i was very close to my grandparents so especially my granddad which i saw as a, a kind of male role model um and they were definitely there to support my mom in kind of like the solo parenthood so i don't feel like i ever felt that alone in any way or my mum didn't have the support because we had grandparents that were very supportive and I think that definitely helped. Brilliant and then do you know sort of what age you started to really understand what a donor was and and, and have any curiosity about that? Mm -hmm. um, I'd say probably when I was about maybe about age 10 I kind of understand it a little bit more that it was somebody that would see donate their like sperm or eggs or embryos that would then be used I kind of had a bit more of an understanding and then I'd say definitely at high school when kind of IVF is briefly mentioned um in in subjects and like conception um I definitely understand understood it a bit more then and then when I was a teenager so about 16 that's when I started looking into it a bit more so I wanted to find out information 
And so how did you go about that? How did you start investigating? So it was when I was 16, I applied to the HFEA for my donor's non-identifying information. So because I was born before 2005, the only information they can give me is non-identifying. Um, so my mum said she was giving it at the time, but over the years she just misplaced it. So I contacted them and they sent me two sheets of information, one that was my donor's non-identifying information, so what my mum would have received, and then another sheet of information which was on donor siblings. So that told me that I had 12 donor siblings. Wow. Yeah, six females, six males, born between 98 and 2003, so just after me, but all quite close in age. And then the donor information was his general characteristics, so like hair colour, eye colour, occupation, interests. Um, it had a personal statement that was written by him, or may have been written by him, it's not like a guarantee, but it was um, in handwriting. Yeah, and it said he had his own children as well, just little bits of information about him. And how did that make you feel when you got that? Um, it was quite overwhelming, I think. I, I wasn't really prepared. I, I knew what I was going into, but obviously being 16, um, it was still quite a shock receiving it because it's kind of not so much as a question mark anymore and you've got a little bit of information. Um, so obviously the 12 siblings is something that shocked me. That was probably more than I thought. And also my donor's age. So I found out he was born in 1949, which actually made me cry at the time because that's I was expecting to be a lot younger. And since researching, there's a lot of people my age and their donors are a lot younger. So he seems to be quite an older donor, which is something quite unusual. I've not really come across anybody that has a donor at that age. And I think it made me a bit upset because I thought, you know, he may not be alive anymore or there's kind of like a race against time to find mm -hmm. him or ask those questions. I've not got as much time as I thought I did have. So when did you decide, because I know that you then set out to find your donor, what age did you decide you wanted to do that? So it was a, a few years after that, I was about 18 and I decided to DNA test. So I'd been on these Facebook groups um, like We're Donor Conceived. It's a good Facebook group for donor conceived people. And a lot of the people on there had recommended DNA testing to kind of find siblings or potentially find the donor. So I tested with Ancestry and the closest relative I had on there from the donor side was a third cousin uh, from Cuba. And I contacted them and they sent me their family tree. And there was actually a relative on my mum's side that is really good at kind of making family trees. And she actually helped me put together lots of family trees. But I mean, I haven't found my donor at the moment, but I've done a lot of research, a lot of family tree making from that initial DNA test. And then after that, I DNA tested with 23andMe as well a few years later in the hope to maybe get a closer match but the closest match I got on there was another third cousin also from Cuba and it wasn't until a few years later so it was in uh, 2020 2019 I think um my it came up as a half sibling match so that's when I found one of my donor conceived half siblings was through 23andMe. Amazing and where are they located in the UK? Yeah, so um, it was a half-sister. She is 
originally from Wales, but um, she was studying in Birmingham at the time, which is my home city. And she was at university in Birmingham, and so was I, but different universities, but quite close together. So it was really strange to realise we were both in the same city for the past three years and we hadn't met. And so her boyfriend at the time and one of her friends was actually on my university course. And so we could have easily met if he'd have realised he knew I was donor conceived, but I don't think he'd made that link, maybe that we could be related. But he actually knew my half sister and he was in my lessons. Wow, it just shows what a small world it is, really, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Wow. And so have you got a relationship with her now then? Yeah, so I've actually met her a few times. So she's actually moved to London as well now, which is obviously where I've ended up. Right. So we meet up, I'd say, every few months, um, you know, go out for a drink and kind of get to know each other. It's obviously it's it's quite difficult. So you're you're obviously half sisters, but you don't really know them. So it's mm. about building that kind of relationship and a friendship kind of as, as the time goes on and has she tried to find any other siblings or the donor so um she was actually raised with a brother who was conceived using the same donor so he's actually my half brother as well so i happened to find two of them at the same time so they've got two mums and they both use the same donor so she she obviously dna tested in the hope to find siblings and maybe the donor and she's recently got her the brother to dna test as well so he's also on 23andme as well now so we're all on there in the hope to eventually find more matches and siblings hopefully so how does it feel i suppose it's a unique situation where you're genetically related to somebody but you you don't know them you know it, I, I guess you said it's just about sort of spending some time getting to know them yeah it's strange because obviously when I first met her she looks a lot like me and I have always assumed I look a lot like the donor because I don't really look much like my mum um, and it's quite overwhelming to see somebody that finally looks like you in a, in a positive way like it's nice to see that so we have the same facial features and you can kind of find uh, personality traits that are similar but also differences so it's it's just I guess getting to know them um, yeah but it's been been a good experience and so would you be keen to meet the other um half siblings if you could yeah definitely so i'm yet to meet um, my half brother he obviously lives still back home in wales so we just haven't really had a chance to meet yet because of the distance but yeah definitely if more siblings pop up further down the line then we'd all be happy to meet them and what is your view about one of the questions I'm always asking myself is, should I try to find half siblings now when my daughter's not even four? Or shall I leave that to her for when she wants to do that, which will obviously be much later because she, she won't really understand the concept. Have you got a view on what you think about that? Obviously, it's a personal choice, but I think um, my view would be to do as much as you can as a parent so that the options are there so whether that be um, DNA testing or joining different websites to help find the siblings so that if you obviously do find them and do make contact then still leave it up to your child to decide if they want to get in contact with them but then at least the options there because obviously if they get older and then they decide they do want to find them then it can be like a lot of 
pressure and just a lot to kind of take on to try and find them. I think it would be better if that was kind of done so that they had an option there that they could decide to contact them or not. So the more information you've got, basically, the better, and then you can decide what to use and what not. Okay. What are your feelings now about your donor? You know, do you, is it something that consumes a lot of your thinking? How, how do you feel about him? Yeah, I think it is quite difficult. And I think it's quite hard for a lot of people to understand. So it's something I think about on, I'd say, a daily basis. I think when I was younger, I kind of just saw him as this person that helped my mum and was kind of like heroic in a sense that he, if it wasn't for him, then I might not be here. And he made the donation that helped my mum have me. But kind of as I've got older, I still kind of see that and I'm grateful for his obviously donation and the process. But I don't really have like a a feeling towards him because I don't know who he is and I think I won't really have that and understand that fully until I know who he is and maybe get the chance to speak to him or find out a bit more about him but yeah I would definitely like to find him eventually and I think until I know that then I won't really feel like a, a complete sense of identity and I think that is what is quite difficult um, yeah but I'm just hoping that eventually uh, that will happen and it I obviously kind of think that he may not want anything to do with me or not want to communicate with me and that's kind of something you just have to accept so that is something I've accepted and I'm willing for that to happen but I think if I I'd like to know because then at least you know um, and you've had the opportunity yeah so at least if if he didn't want a relationship with you, just knowing who he was and having a bit more information would sort of satisfy some of that curiosity a little bit, maybe. And then I think I read that you'd done sort of a campaign to try to find him. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, when I was at university, and um, that was when I decided to be a bit more open about being donor conceived. So I was obviously going through the process of DNA testing so I studied fine art and I decided to make a project that was based on donor conception that kind of educated other people about it that didn't really know much about it, but also like conduct my own search for my donor. So I made this project that was trying to find him within 30 days, so like a month where I did like different activities and um, campaigns. So I made like, posters and little cards that I gave out to the public in London that kind of gave them a bit of information about me and that I was looking for my donor and then conducted this like 30 day search with artworks um, and a campaign. Amazing and did you did you get any leads on it at all? No so unfortunately I didn't obviously find him but I had quite a few uh, like donor conceived people reach out to me um, that was nice and say that they were kind of looking for their donor or they'd found some of their siblings and so it was nice to see have quite a positive response from it. So is it nice to have that community of people who get what you're going through a little bit? Definitely I think um, when you first obviously decide to look for them or if you find out le later down the line that you're donor conceived it could probably be quite overwhelming and you could feel a bit like you're on the on your own and the only person that's going through that but these support networks like on Facebook and these um, groups that have been set up are definitely um, 
useful and you feel like you're all kind of in the same situation and then you can share those kind of emotions that people might not quite um, understand and how is yours and your mum's relationship so I know that you said you had a good relationship and I know that you said that until you find the donor you might not feel like you are 100% complete in your identity have you spoken to your mum about that and has that impacted your relationship at all or is she just super supportive of you yeah I've spoken to her about it um, and she knows I'm looking for them and she's offered to help me with that and she's very supportive so she wants me to obviously find my donor and she knows that I've found my siblings and she's eager to get to know them and um, learn about them and I think she does understand that I want to find them I don't think she understands maybe how much it does affect me but she is very supportive um, it's quite difficult I think you don't, you can't really understand it fully unless you're kind of experiencing it yourself but she does definitely listen and try to understand and learn more um, goes on. I think what's really interesting is I think as somebody who's used a donor to conceive one of my biggest fears and I think fears of many people who have done this is that we have negatively impacted our children that we've created a situation whereby now like you say you you don't fully understand your identity and your longing to know somebody to sort of close that curiosity and I suppose one way that some people handle it is almost to like bury their heads in the sand and not want to think about it whereas what I'm trying to do is to understand as much as I can and help others to understand just so that we can do the most amount possible and I think what you're saying is you know just the communication and I suppose it's really hard because you feel a level of guilt so if you said to me you know oh I don't feel like my identity is complete until I meet this person and I think oh I've put you in this situation you know it is really it's a difficult situation but I suppose what I'm hearing from you is that you can feel both you can still have a really positive relationship with your mum but still have this curiosity about the other side of your genetics and talking about it is 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 beneficial I guess is would you agree with that definitely so I think for a lot of donor conceived people it's not about finding like another parent or yeah. having that parent child relationship so I think when I do find my donor I don't want him to play like the dad role it's just kind of like hopefully a friendship or just getting that little bit more knowledge that I didn't have before and that wouldn't take away all the parenting that my mum's done I see her as playing the mom and dad role um, and I think that's something that parents should understand as well definitely um, solo moms that it's not like another parent that they're looking for it's just wanting to know that little bit extra information um, yeah. and they even people that are have you know a mom and a dad in a heterosexual couple if they've used like an egg or sperm donor, they might worry that the child is going to view them as the pair, the donor as the parent, but that's definitely not the case, I'd say for majority of donor conceived people. 
Yeah, I suppose it's things like, you know, like you say, how you look and maybe mannerisms and just personality thing, you know, just like piecing some of that together. I think one of the things I've tried to start doing recently, just as I've been researching this a bit more, is talk a bit more openly about genetics and what they are and what they mean and not shying away from the fact that half my daughter's genetics are from someone we don't currently know and being inquisitive about that I suppose rather than just saying nope that's just a donor you know I think there's a tendency to say no that's nothing to do with us whereas it is it's 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 part of you so yeah having that curiosity and encouraging our children to have that curiosity to see it as a as a positive not as a negative I suppose is is something that I'm trying to do at the moment definitely I think even I used to think that genetics didn't really mean a lot and I think it's easy for a lot of people to say that when you say you know it's who raised you genetics don't really mean anything but when you're in that situation you kind of start realizing they do kind of play a big part so it's about you know I, I don't look like anybody in my family apart from my half siblings I've found and it's about kind of understanding that they are important to a certain extent I think what you said is is really a great way to think about it because you can separate them so it's not they don't mean something in terms of the parenting because like you say the person who raised you is is the person who's parented you but they do mean something in terms of genetics they can be looked at separately can't they and then maybe we can be less afraid of them if we're differentiating it from looking for a, a, a parent or and I have to be open maybe some people that is what they're looking for as well but I know the majority of people I've spoken to said it's more just an understanding of how that other half of me has been made up rather than like you say looking for a parent so I think that can be useful advice to try to separate those two things and not be scared of genetics because I think a lot of solo mums are a bit scared because it's like getting us out of our comfort zone of of how we've defined things for ourselves if that makes sense so have you got any advice so my audience a, a, a lot of the audience are people considering using a donor to conceive as a solo parent and then many are already solo parents have you got any advice that you would share with people yeah, I think the main thing is to be honest and open from as early as possible. So there's a lot of like research and studies that have been done. And um, there's the We Are Donor Conceived survey that they do every year um, that generally shows if your child is told further down the line, gives them a bit more of a negative experience. They feel like they've been lied to and a bit deceived. But I think as long as you're honest and open from like day one, the child will understand and they're not going to resent you in any way or feel like you've kept anything secret from them so i think that is probably the most important thing and i'd say maybe if you've got the option of an anonymous donor or a known donor or an open id donor so when they can know further down the line i definitely opt for that if the option is given just so that they've got that opportunity there to find out a bit of information about the donor um, or the chance to meet them or contact them a bit further down the line. And I think 
one of the things I wanted to say is the openness and honesty. One of the things that some of my audience struggle with is confidently sharing the story because as a single woman, some people are still feeling a bit feelings of failure that they didn't meet somebody to have a family in the more traditional sense, like with a partner. And therefore, they struggle to positively share the story with their child because they haven't fully accepted it themselves. They're still battling with some of their own emotions around it. Do you think that might be impactful if in, when your mum shared the story, was it, was it very positive or was there elements of it that she was also still battling with? Um, I think generally it was quite positive. So you know, I was a special baby and it was kind of those positive words that made me think, you know, it's something to be like proud of. And, and I know there's quite a few like children's books out there now that explain the different families in a positive way. And I think those might be kind of a good resource to use, especially early on. Yeah, so I think you can definitely be told in a more positive sense. Um, and I think it is also important for donor conceived people to understand what the parents go through so like the recipients as well so I think when you can understand it from that perspective then you kind of can understand the struggle it might have been for them going through it and I think for you know don't conceive people to understand the recipient's point of view and also them to understand the don't conceive people's point of view so there's all kind of like a shared understanding trying to put um each other in each other's shoes sort of thing it's a really interesting point because a lot of people who have chosen to become solo parents originally presumed they would be a parent with a partner and are now fully happy that this is the path to parenthood they took but it wasn't what they were originally thinking and so it has been um, a challenge for people to let go of that sort of fairy tale idea of how they thought they would do it and embrace this new idea but that, but that still can be a positive in terms of you know this this is how I thought it was however this is what happens I, I think it's really useful to hear from you that actually being honest and sharing what the journey was to get there I always tell my daughter that I couldn't find someone good enough to be her daddy but I really wanted to have her so I decided to do it on my own using a donor. She understands really clearly that she hasn't got a daddy but I just don't think she understands what a donor is. We were actually talking about it the other day using a book and you know, she has a vague understanding but um, I'm sure as she gets older then um, you know she'll, she'll understand more but I think what you said using those books is really good because it just gives you a really good framework and the language to use to try to explain it and I think the key takeaway that I've got is actually being more vocal with some of my friends on how they can help speak to their children to minimize any awkward situations for my daughter at school. I think that's really useful advice. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, I think definitely if it's like discussed more in schools and amongst parents, then, you know, if a child says, I've not got a dad, I've just got a mum and the route they went down, then for other children to say, okay, and it, understand that that is quite a common um, scenario. I think I've just been choosing a school for my daughter and my favourite school that I hope she gets a place in had on the door of the classrooms of preschool 
like a mum and a mum equals love, a mum and a dad equals love, a mum equals love, a dad equals love, a dad and a dad. And, and I was like, oh, I love this school. They're, like before you even walk in the classroom, they're talking about different families. And they were saying that, that like inclusivity is a massive thing for them. And there's all sorts of people in all sorts of different situations. I think probably when my daughter goes to school, I guess it will be a little bit more common to have different situations than maybe when you were at school because it was, um, you know, I think it is just a more common scenario now. And having people, not just solo parents, but all different scenarios, then the kids just think, oh, everyone's in a different situation, fine. And just, you know, that hopefully it will be slightly easier for them. But yeah, and the more I can do to educate other people. Um, so that, that's a good, a good tip anything else that you would like to share there's a few things so um I actually now work at a fertility clinic in London um which is kind of a career role I took on from being donor conceived so that is something I think that has positively impacted me as well so it my conception has actually impacted the kind of career path and job role I wanted to go down um and I think since working there so I've been there almost a year now um i've definitely been able to understand the parents point of view and i think that's definitely positively impacted me so i understand obviously what they go through choosing a donor so the patients we see that are using donor gametes and kind of the their path and the kind of the struggle they've gone down i can definitely understand that more um so i think that's something that other donor conceived people can look into and understand it from the parents point of view as well amazing oh that's so positive and so nice for you to be able to get that other insight great oh well thank you so much thank you for taking the time it'll be so useful for people to hear this side of the story and, and help with the decisions that they make so thank you okay it's been great chatting to you uh, thanks for having me on as a guest if you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast it'd mean a lot to me if you take a few minutes to rate, review and subscribe. If you'd like to learn more of what's on offer at The Stork and I, head over to my website, thestalkandi.com or follow me on Instagram at thestalkandi with underscores between the words. You can hear more about the coaching I offer as well as hear from donor-conceived adults, industry experts and the opportunity to meet and become a part of the Solo Motherhood community.